I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Mm-hmm. How are you? Uh, I'm feeling a bit uh, poco carante about today. And what is poco carante? Yeah, I, I believe it's uh, indifferent. Oh, mm-hmm. well, good for you. Uh, I was looking at analytics for the podcast, and I was surprised to see the top cities where listeners come from. So I'm going to run through the top five. Number five is Atlanta. Okay. You've never been to Atlanta. Uh, we have driven through Atlanta. Did we? Yeah, we did. Oh, I don't remember. Well, it was on our way to a place you don't like to talk about. So oh, that's why. Um, I, I've been a few. Well, I used to go quite a bit, like in the early 2000s. Um, I liked it. I hear people talk about Atlanta now and they have negative thoughts about it. But yeah, somebody was just telling him, I was like, well, okay, I want to go. Uh, y'all got a film festival. Uh, <laughs> let's go. Number four is Denver. I bent Denver. I went to a university there. Yeah. I, uh, not physically. I liked, uh, I've been to Denver a few times and I liked it. You know, I like to talk about uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. Oh, God. Number three is L.A. Okay. Home. Number two is New York City. My favorite. And then top city where most of our list, or yeah, how would you phrase that? The city with the most listeners is Seattle. Oh, the depressed people. (laughs) So I guess that tracks. (laughs) I've never been to Seattle. Uh, you know, sadly, I've been to Portland. Uh, I bet Seattle people, uh, c- citizens love to hear that. Uh, but we have, well, I have friends there. You like them too. And we've never visited. Yeah, I should go. Mm-hmm. So have to make that happen. Moving on, we watched the trailer for Where is Wendy Williams, which is a two-part Lifetime documentary. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? Uh, I mean, that it, it looks to me that looks like a shit show. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just don't believe anything anymore. It looks like we're we're making audiences into pain hustlers. Well, it's I I think the where is Wendy Williams and like she, it's it it gave the vibe of like she's being kept from her family because she's in some sort of guardianship. And I don't know if they're trying to frame it like a Britney Spears situation, but within the documentary out of her own mouth, she says that she's broke. Uh And if it could happen to her, it could happen to you. We see her son talk about how he thinks there are people around her who are taking advantage of her. We do see her getting upset that someone tries to take away some vodka from her. And then we see her drink what appears to be alcohol. Mm-hmm. And we know that she had to go to rehab for alcohol abuse. And she has said herself that she has had issues with drug addiction. So I'm sure that's not helping. We know she said that she suffers from Graves disease and issues with her thyroid. She looks very weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seem, seems mentally unstable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it it's kind of shocking. Like, if all of this is in play, like, I mean, I guess it's like, why isn't she getting help? Right. It's like, it's kind of like, can we see? Can we see what this is when she's on the other side of it? <laughs> well, then there's someone who I think said she was her sister, mm-hmm. who's saying that why can't she take care of her? So it sounds like there's. I don't know. I don't know. It seems complicated. But I guess what we learned from the Britney Spears situation is, you know, I mean, what I gathered from the Britney Spears situation is that lady needed someone to take control of her life. Uh, <laughs> because yeah. now that there isn't someone, it seems to be going downhill. Oh, d- d- just dysfunction, dysfunction junction. Yeah, Wendy seems like she's suffering not only from physical issues, but psychological issues. And then I'm assuming addiction problems and... We were also talking about like, you know, the, the, the people surrounding her, her handlers and, you know, whomever business managers and agents and, 
hairstylist, makeup, whatever, the people, her assistants, these people are just working for her. I don't know that they actually care about her. So it's funny to hear people go, how can this happen? And why isn't anyone doing anything? Does anyone care? I mean, well, right, right. Yeah. And she, uh, they, they use the repeated statement she makes about she just wanted more than anything else to be famous or something like that. It's like, well, and you know, from there's, there are certain behaviors that go hand in hand with that too. Yeah. My overwhelming feeling watching the trailer or afterwards was that this is alarming and it's weird that it's on camera and like yes. if it's being documented, how can this not be resolved? <laughs> and it's in two parts on two different nights to all keep us uh, a rapt attention. But, you know, um, Lifetime had the two part Janet Jackson documentary, which I believe was their highest rated documentary. And that one felt very which which doesn't reveal anything. No, I thought it was very tame and not very well put together. And I didn't think she was it. I don't think she looked great. Like, it just seems slapshot. Like they took pieces over like a four, three or four year period and kind of just strung it together. The Wendy William, Williams one seems more vulnerable because she's in a vulnerable state, mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel good watching her like that. No, it, it. She also looks like she's at a point of no return. Yes, and I mean, wait, I will watch it. So I haven't, I haven't consumed it yet, but I'm concerned that it's going to feel exploitative. Yes, even though the intention by all parties may not be that. Sure. Well, my other issue is like, if she's that, like, if if she's of sound mind. I don't know what, I mean, we've talked about this before. Remember when she was saying she was going to do podcasts? Yeah, I remember like that. Like singular, like the, the, the way she was describing it sounded like she didn't, she didn't know what she was talking she about. She sounded like an alien. That, <laughs> But Wendy Williams is famous enough and has had a long enough career in radio that I think the easiest thing she could have done during this period was a podcast. The fact that she hasn't says a lot. It, it tells me that she's been unstable. Uh -huh. It's probably... Because, you know, it's obvious we see her in wheelchairs. We see her needing to be held up literally, which mm -hmm. is, of course, concerning. But she does, you know, she can do a podcast sitting in a comfy chair. So the fact that we haven't had really any time hearing her talk about anything is really alarming. Uh -huh. I mean, she made her career off of speaking into a microphone. Yeah. And she can't do that now. There's something very wrong. Yes, and hopefully they will explain it all for us. But whatever it is, I find it hard to believe that it remains undiagnosed. Well, that part too, and or I mean, yeah, who knows? Like, yeah, I, I mean, for her to say she's broke, it's like this is Wendy Williams. I'm sure right now I could go broker her a multi-million dollar deal mm -hmm. to do a daily morning show. I mean, it, and it just doesn't even make what, sense. What I mean by like a diagnosis is what is the problem or what are the problems and where do we go from there instead of this it, it the the presentation of the trailer makes it seem like she's been in this whirlpool that of uh degradation that it shows no signs of relenting the other thing is if she is in a guardianship and there is let's say a social worker managing her case their priority you can correct me if i'm wrong but their priority would not be for her to work, especially she's saying she's broke, but that may be relative. You know, she used mm -hmm. to be worth maybe 300 million and now maybe she has 10 million in the bank. Sure. And so the social worker knows, well, she's financially stable. She can pay for her housing. It is not a priority for her to go out there and work. So from the public's perspective, of course, I'm thinking, well, if she's fine and saying she's broke, then why isn't she collecting a check talking into a microphone? But the reality may be that she is suffering from some mental illness and the priority is to just keep her safe and warm inside her penthouse. So, well, maybe, you know, maybe the kind of work that she needed for her to operate, uh, at a functional level was to have a live audience. Well, that relates to what you already said is that her saying that all she ever wanted to all she ever wanted was to be famous. Maybe that's part of her problem. Maybe a psychologist has diagnosed her with something that, well, like that's a contraindication. Like she probably shouldn't be seeking attention. Like that's part of her problem. Probably. But, you know, maybe there's a fine balance, though, uh, 
because it, it's probably satisfying some kind of addictive issue <laughs> or to, that, you yeah. know, that maybe it was easier to not do, uh, participate in drugs and alcohol when you have, when uh, she was busy on a talk show. When you're show. busy and yeah. there are people depending on you and you're also getting that energy you need to function, which is everybody paying attention to you. That's, you know what, that's probably a really good point is that maybe she was able to keep it together for a time because she was having to get up. But I remember, you know, I watched her show a lot and she would often say like, she had a very strict routine of what she did after the show, her drive back to Jersey to go to her home. She would never deviate from that. Yeah. And looking back, that's probably why. Well, yeah, it keeps, it keeps you in a, a bubble. It's, yeah. a tre it's a treadmill. So you, but then you're also not dealing with problems, the underlying issues, underlying issues, you know, which is probably what caused it to because there was all, the, I mean, there were all those rumors about stuff with her husband, I remember. so Well, they weren't rumors. He did have an affair with the woman and had a kid out of wedlock. And he did use the money they made together. As he sure, sure. But I mean, there were other like more tabloidy fodder oh, sure, things. Sure. I mean, uh, that I'm sure had an effect, but that was also a way to cope. <laughs> She's, you know, I feel bad for her. And, I'm, you know, it, it's easy to be like, well, all the shit she talked, look at her now. But it's like, I mean, she only... But was most most of the shit she talked was not that bad. Well, I mean, she had loose lips, but also like she wouldn't be talking like that if people didn't tune in. So it's like we're all part of it. Like anyone right. who watched her show is part of the problem, including me. But we can move on to some more problematic shit because I received messages about this Nicki Minaj, Megan The Stallion. Oh shit! I haven't listened to. Is it Hiss? There's hit. Well, so Megan The Stallion released a track called Hiss, and I think the main thing that inflamed Nikki was that Megan refers, she has a line that says, these hoes don't be mad at Megan. These hoes mad at Megan's law. And Megan's law is a reference to this federal law, which requires registered sex offenders to be publicized, which of course people took as a strike at Nikki because Nikki Minaj's husband is a level two uh, registered yeah. sex offender in New York. So uh -huh. yeah, I know. So then Subsequently, Nicki Minaj released a track called Bigfoot, which we can assume is referring to Megan The Stallion's large stature. Um, and then in that song, she, I guess, is talking about old shit and then also referencing Megan The Stallion's mom dying. Uh, I well, think all of this is petty. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. How old is Nicki now? I mean, Nick, Nicki has to be pushing 40. I mean, girl, come on. But... But I mean, to me, it doesn't sound like Megan said anything that wasn't true. There, what she's she she the the jab is uh, based in fact. Well, I am forty five years old, so I grew up listening. I mean, like East Coast West Coast rap beef was kind of like that's my reference point. Mm -hmm. So thinking about this shit is so weak and so tired. First of all, these two heifers are never going to be in the same room laying hands on each other. So it's like all this talking, y'all not going to fight. So no one's going to shoot at anyone. Also, we're in a different time now where everything is corporatized and commercial. It It's highly likely these two are going to end up. There's a lot of cross-pollination, mm -hmm. a, a lot of... Um, like affiliated stuff so it just seems like you're hurting your own business by creating situations where like now we can't have megan the stallion and Nicki minaj but correct me if i'm wrong but this seems like uh, eerily familiar to previous a previous time when Nicki minaj would write lyrics that would jab at lil kim right and then <laughs> well and then it begs the question well why don't megan the stallion and Nicki minaj like each other i'm assuming it's because of the beef Nicki Minaj had or has with Cardi B. Oh, yeah. Because remember, Cardi B threw a shoe at Nicki or something. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. So, and then Megan The Stallion has made two popular songs with Cardi B. So maybe that's why they have beef. It just seems real. To me, it seems real gimmicky. And it doesn't, you know, the East Coast, West Coast shit, like all that rap, rap beef from the 90s, it felt first of all it felt a little more scary because fools really were shooting each well other. people were dying <laughs> and it wasn't and, and it wasn't necessarily the rappers in the 90s i mean there was a lot of gun violence related to hip-hop like 
like like I think the public in general had a fear of that. No one's afraid of Nicki Minaj, Megan Thee Stallion, Cardi B, Doja Cat. No one is uh, Azalea Banks. Uh, all these people. No one's afraid of any of these people. No. I'm and the like- worst that their fans will do is like dox you on X or something. Right. Whatever the kids do. Although Megan did get shot. Well, <laughs> but uh, I mean that is true actually. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like I remember being like a teenager and thinking like, oh, it, like I can't go to a theater to go see like an urban movie because they might start shooting. Right. Or, oh, you can't go to this area because, or you can't be heard listening to this kind of music. Oh, and believe me, the media love feeding into that shit. Do you, like the stories behind uh, New Jack City trying to get uh, uh, playing a theater in LA. Also, who listens to these ladies' music? Sissies and white girls. Like, no one is afraid of any of these people. So to me, it just feels real lukewarm. I mean, at a temperature you'd be comfortable with drinking your coffee. It's not hot. I oh, mean, that's just... a dig at me. Okay. <laughs> so now we have beef. Oh. Oh, so 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 I got a weak tongue. Okay. <laughs> no, it I just think it's unfortunate. Like these two ladies, and then like you already said, Nicki Minaj, like this, she's like a middle-aged lady mm-hmm. effectively especially in this industry like why are you and you did marry a sex offender i mean come you did, on. yeah she's, she's just saying something that i mean if it bothers you maybe you should just stop listening the other thing is like back in the night you know the kind of shit tupac was saying about notorious big and the like i fucked your wife and blah uh-huh. i mean or even like um oh god who's the rapper who had beef with drake who outed him because wasn't I, I think a rapper outed drake as having a, a, a child oh like that's why drake said that he had that baby with that stripper oh because some other rapper the point i'm trying to make is i feel like rap beef that i'm used to people used to say some shit that was illuminating nowadays it's like what are y'all talking about? Her mama died four years ago right that's i mean okay and then we all know you married a sex offender Oh, she's big, Bigfoot, and I mean, that's just that's, I don't that's know. tired to me. I don't know. Uh, and, but, these, and these ladies' fans are not thugs. I mean, they're internet thugs. They'll troll you, troll you online, which I guess is the new gang banging. I don't know, but well, you know, all you have to do is put your phone down. I guess the overall message for me is I don't give a shit. Uh, same. My colon is clean. I don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> I, you, well, you know, I like Megan, uh, but anyway, uh, when you say what, who is that rapper that was on Breakfast Club? Drake. Oh, you say I'm like my attitude is like his <laughs> soldier, soldier boy. boy. <laughs> I like soldier boy actually. Oh well, I get. I guess that's good. <laughs> He's funny. Okay, moving on to the restaurant section. I'll, all I wanted to talk about was Chipotle. Okay, because I've been twice the past week. The one by our house is in a very nice location. Well, it's Larchmont. Oh, it's rag. The the one, but. <laughs> sorry just say our address i guess <laughs> um so i mean it's a very nice area and then uh-huh. so well actually this relates to what we were just talking about when i was there last week i went to go pick us pick up food for us because we were in a rush mm-hmm. and i walk in there to pick up my mobile order and they are blasting megan the stallion's hiss on oh, repeat. Oh, there we go <laughs> On, but I, but you know this is true because I told you. Uh, yeah, I yeah, came you home. came back and reported. And the we manager, I, like I can see that he's on his phone, so they're like playing it through his phone on some speaker in the back, and it's loud, like obnoxiously loud. Not me being an old grumpy man loud, but like, like subject or objectively loud. And he keeps getting on his phone to rewind it. It's deafening. And there are people, and you know, she uses expletives in the song. Mm-hmm. So this is not an edited version. And there is like, there are two families there with like small kids eating. <laughs> then the staff is just like, the, the restaurant needed to be cleaned. It was dirty. The staff is literally standing in the line, like, or, the, you know, like behind where they prepare the food, eating. Okay. There were two young ladies who had on Chipotle outfits eating from their own bowl not from the you know they weren't right eating from the the, the bulk stuff we haven't completely st- jumped ship here. no 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 but i mean it was outrageous 
it was outrageous. Then we go to the one by the Beverly Center on uh, Beverly, which is also a super nice area. Again, there was a, a rush. There was a, a time crunch. And wasn't that restaurant dirty? Yeah, it was dirty. And didn't those two men, well, three, well, there were two who assisted us. Three. How- there were three that technically assisted us. Communi- man communicating was difficult they they were acting like they were lobotomized yeah. i don't know it's just like and then chipotle done raised the prices of the food so now i'm paying more and for, i got some soggy chips the chips from the one on beverly tasted like i don't know what made them so soggy like they sat in the grease i think i think somebody spilled water i don't know Oh, you think they were wet from like? I think they were wet. The condensation. Uh, I mean, they, I still ate them. But. That guacamole is busting, so I guess I had to eat those chips. Well, I, like that. I do like that queso. <laughs> you like the queso, so I mean, it was fine. And they were extra salty and limony. Mm-hmm. So limony. I mean, limony, limony. Still, you know what? They're better than that one in the compared to the old area we lived in. Which, Who was telling us? Oh, which there was an employee there. Bless them that did give me free chips sometimes after being real stank. But I think it's, they just had RBF. I, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of Chipotle because they're known for like, you know, they advertise like they pay better. They give good benefits. They're raising the prices and then the service is just going down. Well, I just, I don't think service at any of these chain franchise eateries it, it, it they all feel the same like the quality is not good the quality of service is terrible because these aren't good places to work really i don't okay so they pay a little more they pay 50 cents more than blah blah than subway i, I just uh, it's just a miserable experience dealing with the public and i think that we have to take into consideration that it that shit just wears you down mentally and if you don't we we don't condition people to have the fortitude to deal with conflict anyway. So to deal with these nasty people that are picky and weird, I don't know that uh, it would break me. I think I almost think that it needs to shift to like online ordering only. Like maybe that would help. Like if you have to order online, this kind of food, you know, and then it's different than a dining experience to me. And and then they focus on preparing the food accurately, keeping the restaurant clean, not subjecting employees to stupid customers, you know, because I mean, I agree. And I did my very first job was at a McDonald's and people are awful. Yeah. But it's also like, I mean, that can't be the excuse. It can't be the excuse, but it it it, it takes its toll. It does. Because the other thing is like the food is getting more and more expensive to the point where it's like. I mean, I might as well just go sit down somewhere and pay for a nice meal. You know? Oh, yeah. That one by Beverly, it was probably cleaner to eat out with the unhoused person at the street who had clearly had a racket at this specific Chipotle as well. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So, he, had, he had a little a little board. He kept changing he his He had message. a whiteboard, and he kept changing his message on the whiteboard. Because he saw, I think he saw who was coming thinking like, oh, I know what will get. The... <laughs> it was a social experiment. No one likes when I say this, but I, I'm going to keep saying it. I'm not giving, when people ask me for food, you can't be fatter than me and ask me for food. You can't. You just can't. You have to look hungry. Remember that lady that came up to us in that the Universal City AMC? We were there for a press screening. But what? Do you recall which movie it was? It was, it might have been Oppenheimer. It was this past summer. Um, and oh. she, she came up and was, she looked at you. Well, first of all, we need to set the scene for people who haven't been to the Universal City AMC. Their concession area is kind of like over the it, top. It's chaotic because it's. I mean, it, it looks like an event. It's not your normal concession stand. Well, even checking out where you go, fill up your drink, and they have like- multiple stations, and it's confusing. Like where you like, it's like you get all your shit first, and then you go pay, and mm-hmm. it seems like you could just walk out. I don't know. I mean. Yeah. But we're standing in line because, you know, they usually give free you concessions. Know, yeah. So we were going to get our free concessions Concessions because it was a press screen. Yeah. And I'm standing in line and, and you were next to me. And what happened? This stout little thing, this stout little woman came up in a panic, like, like she lost her baby. And she goes, sir, will you please buy me three hot dogs? 
This woman. Because she, somebody had either taken hers or she bungled them somehow, but she needed three hot dogs stat. And how did I respond? <laughs> you were like, these hot dogs? You're like, those are like $6 a piece or something. No, they weren't. Six, they were like $9 what, each. Because yeah. I remember saying, that's like $27. But you want you, me to buy $27? You got a little, but you, your voice was elevated. And it, I got loud. It attracted the attention of one of the employees and they came over and and shoot her away. Shoot her away. No, her issue was she had coupons, mm. and I guess they were expired. I don't know, girl. And but... she, that lady was, and she she said they were for her children. It's like all y'all could. I don't know. You need to go outside, get one of them cheap voodoo donuts or whatever, and <laughs> call it a day. It's just like I'm not a thin, in shape person. I could skip a meal, and I would before I would ask. Some, I would have to be close to starving to death to just walk up to someone and be like and three hot dogs three hot dogs that are nine dollars each three That's, that reminded me of a Nicki minaj lyric actually can tell i'm skipping no meals but oh. <laughs> she stays with you that one it's real bold it's real bold yeah, but I mean, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease and all that. Uh, so I don't I, like that. Well, you know, I don't like this mentality of like, you got to shoot your shot. It's like, where's your dignity? Where's your... Well, it's, I think the thing is, dignity, it's like shame goes out the window when you don't have... your When your needs aren't being met. So I don't know. And whether, yeah, but it's like, what are your needs? Like you... That, well, you that lady was big. She, well, And the people with her were big. So it's like... You, you, you mean uh, her children? Oh, her children were big. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I understand food issues, and just because you're big doesn't mean you can't be hungry. But it's it's just like really, you. I mean, that, that's that's probably you're probably you're probably hungry all the goddamn time. But but it's like uh, the bigger walk, the, the bigger the oven, the more fuel. <laughs> and why ask me? That was the other thing too. Why yeah, ask me of would, all the people. Why would you ever think I would be the one? <laughs> well, I mean, you always say that I look mean and you don't. So, I mean, that's probably why. But there were a lot of people. I just can't imagine seeing me and being like, he's the one. He's uh, the one who's going to spend $30 on hot dogs for me and my I mean, you look a little, family. You look like, a little stern to me, but uh, I don't know. I, I Maybe she just thought she would get some fellowship from you. Maybe. I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Moving on to the sorry to this man section. We reviewed a movie called Layla, and I kept referring, I said it three times that the the character of Layla did abstract dance. Oh. I meant to say interpretive dance. Well. And I, and I really, no one corrected me, but I winced watching it back. Like, ugh, oh, okay. I, like, why do I keep saying abstract dance? Well. It was interpretive dance. Yes, that is what I meant but it's not that it's okay for me to be incorrect <laughs> you like to make excuses for no I, well because then it feels like why did my dumb ass not uh, uh well that too you? why like why'd you let me say abstract dance three times <laughs> <laughs> ain't no abstract dance it, i meant to say interpretive dance yeah but it, but the point is there i don't uh, know like no. I, it, it didn't it didn't raise a red flag for me let's take a break Films released we didn't cover. Dario Argento's Panico. Uh, it's a documentary about oh. the Dario Argento's work. I have a screener for it. I I didn't have time to watch it this week, but I still want to. Uh, I'm an Argento fan. I you know since the mid '80s, I haven't can't say I've loved anything he's done. But he did uh, Possession. No, that's Sulawski. Oh, Argento's Italian. What do I know from Dario Argento? Suspiria. Oh yes. You also star. You also saw him star in the uh, Gaspar Noe film Vortex. Oh. Um, oh, about the aging people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the aging people or the aged people. <laughs> um, and apparently, he's supposed to be remaking this 1940s Mexican psychological thriller starring Isabella Huppert. That's going to shoot this spring. Oh yeah, still waiting for that to happen. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this. I'll, I'll probably I'll, I'll try to watch it. Fitting in. I don't really don't have an interest in watching this, but um, <laughs> it sounds there's intriguing elements. It's directed by Molly McGlynn, I think, semi autobiographical, but it stars Maddie Ziegler. Remember her? No. From music. music. The oh, film. the 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 little the the little girl. 
Isn't she from that Abby Lee Miller show? Yes, I believe so. The dance Moms. And or... she's in those Sea of Music videos, yeah. Oh. She's the chandelier girl, right? Yes. Uh, she stars as a young woman that has some rare reproductive disorder. Oh. And it's a romantic comedy. Okay. That sounds odd to me. Next, How to Have Sex. Oh, God. So they had press screenings for this. This won something out of, in a certain regard, a can this past year. I had skipped it. I believe it's French Canadian. I hated the title. Oh. I don't. I don't like this title. It just made me think like how to have sex. And we know how to um, lose a man and <laughs> how to lose a man in ten days after you have sex with him upside down. I. But then it won something. So then of course it's like oh well I missed something that won something. Uh, they had press screenings in L.A. at awkward times, and I was like I can't make this. Can you send me a screener? And they're like, we'd like you to see it on the big screen. And I want to be like, I don't have time to see this. You, give me the screener. Uh, and they did not. So I will have to wait to see this at some other time. The Promised Land. I did not like this film. Oh. Uh, this competed in Venice. And I like Nikolai Arcel, who I think is a better screenwriter than he's a director. But he did Men and Chicken, that one with... So you told me you had heard uh, Mr. Mickelson say the correct pronunciation of his name. Yes. Do you remember what that was? Am I putting he on? He said it like Maz. Maz Mickelson. So the D is silent. Maz. Kind of, yeah. Anyway, he stars. I like the film Men and Chicken. It's very bizarre. Uh, but he stars in this uh, film that's set in the mid 17th century about a man named Ludwig Collin, uh, who is allowed by the. He gets out of military service with no prospects and wants to buy this barren land. Uh, to develop it all on his own and uh, where you know the royals that he's dealing with are just unabashed terrible people and then it, it make things more it, it feel like uh, a braveheart version of farming <laughs> oh <laughs> it's, it's how it felt i thought it was corny i did not like it uh it was, but it competed in Venice, and I was shocked. I was shocked that this made the short list, I think, at the Oscars this year. Uh, out of all the films from all the countries, God. this corny-ass piece of... And I like I like Maz Mickelson. I really do. Uh, and his performance is fine. If he wasn't in this, they would... They would it, whatever. I, also, I, I just don't have words for how frustrating it is to me that this, this is on a short list of anything. Also, if 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 it's not Maz, don't blame Nick because I I'm almost certain I heard him say that his first name is pronounced that way. But anyway, moving on to the last film release we didn't cover, she is Conan. I tried to get you to watch this because I really wanted to revisit it. I saw it out at Director's Fortnight at Cannes this past year. All I remember you saying about this movie is that there's someone with like a dog mask. Alita Lowenstein has. Is a dog. She's playing a dog, so she's got a dog face on the whole time, and she is magical. Uh, but it's kind of a femme queer uh, version of Conan, Conan the Barbarian, oh. and it, the the film is a little bit of a mess. It's I like Bertrand Mandico. We reviewed his film previous to this, After Blue. Mm. Remember the lesbians on the distant planet looking to? Oh yes, because when you Kate, when you Kate Bush when you rec when you said you wanted to watch this film i thought oh it reminds me of after blue and then i'm like oh it's not enough for me to just see some lady in a dog mask to <laughs> make me want to watch this movie alina lonestone is so fun in this though uh, but i didn't realize her role was more prominent I, I thought you were just saying there was a character with a dog mask that's fun. oh no she's through the throughout the whole thing she's oh. guiding the story but, yeah i didn't understand uh but that that came out i if you like weird shit, <laughs> get it Projects of interest, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman. Tim Burton is going to be remaking this. And I guess that's exciting. I, I find it funny that um, he chose to also, and because I think it's with Warner Brothers or something, he also chose um, to make statements about how working for Disney over the past decade sucked out his creative soul. It's like, well, did they have a gun to your head? Oh. I, I don't know it. So whose fault is it that Dumbo and uh, Alice in Wonderland are ruined in your CGI confections of nonsense? It's you, right? Like you're, you're a major part of it, right? I don't know. 
Um, but you know, the original, have you ever seen the original attack of the 50 foot woman? It's a sci-fi I, classic. I don't think so. Really? Yeah. Um, I like the original. I remember who's the lead actress. I remember after shortly after we moved to LA, I think, um, is it Allison Hayes? Mm-hmm. She was found dead in her apartment and she had been dead for a long time. Oh no, not Allison Hayes. Uh, and God, who was it anyway, which uh, that's a sad thing that I was thinking of, but there was also a bad TV version in the nineties with Daryl Hannah and one of the Baldwins, one of the lesser Baldwins, William. Uh, anyway, so lesser Baldwin. <laughs> I'm curious to see. Cause Alec is like, the well, max, I, I mean, the, he was, the he's ta- Max Baldwin. He was, he was, I mean, Alec was popping and has, well, he's had some dips and peaks right now. Is- James Baldwin is the Max Baldwin. <laughs> yes, there you go. But not related to this strand of no. Baldwins. Not like that uh, actor from My Bodyguard, Adam Baldwin, who's oh. uh, from the Chicago line of the Baldwins. <laughs> Whatever we read, like, okay. Uh-oh, the cat's awake. Um, and, yeah. I, I, am I curious to see Tim Burton return to something interesting? Yes. Next, Wilder and Me. So Stephen Freer is also a director who mostly miss every now and then he'll pull out something interesting like a, again, that this is a standard film, but I liked it. Philomena. Uh, but, you know, back in the day when Frears was doing Dangerous Liaisons and The Grifters, uh, High Fidelity, a lot of really good shit, but then there's a lot of crap. But anyway, he's doing a movie about Billy Wilder. Um, Billy Wilder, around the time he directed his debacle Fedora, uh, I don't know why that's the most interesting era. Well, maybe I do. Uh, but Christoph Waltz is going to be starring as Billy Wilder. And then, of course, there's a star-studded cast, including Mai Hawk, who I don't... I'd be fine if I never saw her on film again. I don't know. <laughs> Lastly, Spirit World. This is exciting to me. Singaporean director Eric Koo, who I've only seen one of his films, In the Room, which was... I remember saw Tiff in 2015, which is, I guess, kind of a definitely a minor note in his filmography, and I didn't love. But he's working with the great, the great Catherine Deneuve uh, for his latest, which is about a woman, I believe, an aged pop star who's going to give a concert in Japan, not knowing that it'll be her last. She's about to die. Oh, well. Speaking of deaths, unfortunately, there are entries in the obituary section. Mm. Carl Weathers died, y'all. Damn. So he has done a lot. Yes. In addition to being an NFL player, he earned an MA in theater arts, Mm -hmm. but um, he's also a notable actor in, he played Apollo Creed in the Rocky movies. Predator. He's in Predator. He does voice acting in the Toy Story franchise. Mm -hmm. He did quite a few TV shows. Like he was on Arrested Development and The Mandalorian. I, I think a very recognizable, yes, at least to me. Um, but yeah, he died at the age of seventy six. Oh God! But um, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know what the secret film is. So uh, yeah, his role in Rocky is uh, that's, that's. I mean, I would say it's iconic. That's something you'd say is iconic. Yeah, yeah. not not somebody wearing a, a nice dress on Drag Race. That's oh. not iconic. That's not iconic. Moving on, Don Murray. Don Murray, who's a handsome young thing in the 50s. Um, I think my go-to title for him is Bus Stop. Starring, have you seen Bus Stop with Marilyn Monroe? I don't think so. That was her on a trying to get better roles. It's based on a William Inge play who wrote Picnic, I believe. And um, I think her name, I haven't seen it in years. I think her name in it is Cherry. She might have reddish tinted hair. I'd, in, I, I would love to rewatch that. He's in Peggy Sue Got Married. He's old then, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was in Knott's Landing. Hmm. Yes. Uh, when's the last time? I love Peggy Sue got married. Well, so he died. He died at the age of ninety-four. Mm-hmm. He was married to Hope Lang. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Um, do you? There's a. She's in the best of everything with Joan Crawford, I believe. And isn't she Charles Bronson's wife? That's horribly raped in Death Wish. Uh. I don't know. She's in Peyton Place. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a young woman in that. Sandra Milo? It's, uh, I think she's technically Tunisian, but she's 
best known for being in several Fellini films, including Eight and a Half. And um, God, I haven't seen Julia to the Spirits in forever either. I'd love to. Well, she died at the age of 90. Lastly, Cheetah Rivera died. Yes, who, uh, well, best known for uh, as being a Broadway star. Yeah, she's a theater performer, an actor, a singer. Won two Tonys, and then she originated some uh, roles that are, I, I believe she originated uh, West Side Story, right? And um, Chicago? Am I wrong? You might be right. I might be half right. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, I know that you had discussed maybe doing a secret film for her. Yeah, but her filmography is not. Well, her stuff and her roles in those are like like in the Minimal, Chica- the yeah. Chicago. Uh, it's a cameo and and tick tick boom boom. Yeah. And uh, although I did send you that Candace Bergen TV movie that looked really good to me. Oh. <laughs> Something it's it, it looked very much similar to uh, Faye Dunaway in uh, Beverly Hills Madam. Oh, we, we should did. review Beverly Hills Madam, actually. We did. That was fun. We did. We did? I believe we have a video review out we there. We do have that. a video of that. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cheetah Rivera died at the age of 91, so she lived a long life. She did. Let's take another break. This week's secret film was my choice, and I chose the 1976 American sports drama film, Rocky. Directed uh-huh. by John G. Avildsen. Are you familiar with that director? Well, he did Karate Kid. Oh. And he also, I believe he came back to the franchise. I think he did Rocky Five, although that's not, not very well celebrated, that one. Why did I choose Rocky? Because Nick has never seen Rocky and Carl Weathers died this past week. And of course, Carl Weathers played Apollo Creed in the Rocky franchise. So I thought it was the perfect time to force you to watch it. Yes. And uh, Mr. Avilton also directed a film you're familiar with called uh, Lean on Me. Oh. With Morgan Freeman in the inter- remember in the inner city school. I, when you said Lean on Me, I, I immediately thought Stand By Me. Well, <laughs> yes, I know Lean on both Me. Both have great songs. <laughs> that Can you explain them. how it's possible you've never seen Rocky? I don't like Sylvester Stallone. Oh. I just don't. <laughs> I mean, and you know what? I think it, it you know, but you've seen the other Rocky movies. <laughs> no, I haven't. I, oh, you clips. haven't. You've seen the I've seen Creed movies. I've seen the Creed films. Yeah. Well, you know, when you grow up with your parents and they don't like something, sure. which is so funny because my parents liked watching boxing, like all those things on HBO that they would pay to see. And the they pay-per-view would, that events, they would, yeah. they would get into that shit. But uh, I, I think it's because my dad also didn't like Sylvester Stallone. So I, I grew up not loving like thinking that his films weren't maybe as good um and then you know re- reading celluloid closet and like the dumb shit he said about yo we don't play fags uh i don't know I, I, he just always been a little bit off-putting to me and so i just kind of avoided it i didn't watch first blood and for the first time until i met until i, I think i bought you the box set and then we ran through the rambo films um rambo's good yeah, well, the first one's good. Yeah, I will stand by the first one. The second one is like, well, this is over the top. But and then they the diminishing returns from there. But uh, yeah, I just it always seemed like a thing, and then it seemed like an event unto itself that I would have to do. So I needed an excuse, and here and here it was. I remember watching Rocky maybe as like a nine year old in the eighties, and I remember crying, uh, and I shed tears last night watching Rocky. I mean, I can't think of a better, like, sports underdog movie. I mean, considering the year, I feel like. Sure. And I think it's the first sports film to win Best Picture. And, of course, launched a franchise that now includes, you know, I mean, spanned over the course of, what, 30 years? Because there was a Rocky movie in 2006. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. Rocky Balboa. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Michael B. Jordan-led Creed films. So, you know, its impact is... Very which, significant. Which, you know, Creed was Stallone's... He was nominated for an Oscar for acting in, you know, and notably he wrote this film too. Uh, I he, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor in Creed. The premise for Rocky, a small-time Philadelphia boxer gets a supremely rare chance to fight the world heavyweight champion in a bout in which he strives to go the distance for his self-respect. 
Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen Rocky, the story is pretty simple. Sylvester Stallone plays Rocky Balboa. He's known as the Italian Stallion. He is a local boxer who it seems has aged out. He's 30 years old. And mm -hmm. the gym he goes to, he's kind of been like, you know, kicked out of his locker. The guy who runs the gym, Mickey, played by Bert. Burgess Meredith. Is, you know, they have a contentious relationship because Mickey is upset that Rocky works for a loan shark. He's saying that you could have been something, but instead you work for this old greasy ass loan shark. Played by Joe Spinell, who uh, is a brilliant in Maniac. And Rocky works for the loan shark as like a heavy. So he goes and collects money. Although Rocky is played to be a very sweet guy. He's also um, dumb. I mean, He's meant to be dumb. He says he's dumb. He's yeah, clearly dumb. Not the brightest candle in the cake. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. No. But anyway, what's going on in Rocky's life? He's alone. He has a crush on a lady who works at the pet store named Adrian, who's played by Talia Shire. Mm -hmm. And Adrian happens to be the sister of Rocky's like best friend, Polly. Played by Burt Young. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to court her. He finally does end up uh, going on a date with her their relationship develops very quickly she goes from like having never been in a man's apartment alone to now like they're damn near married uh-huh she uh, you know the the psychology behind what her character and her life experience is troubling yeah well actually <laughs> we, we we can talk about it but anyway that happens but the bigger thing that happens is carl weathers as apollo creed is the current heavyweight champion of the world as a boxer mm -hmm. and he has a fight scheduled on new year's day in philadelphia mm -hmm. and it's right before thanksgiving and we find out at the last minute as in like five weeks before the fight that the person apollo creed is supposed to fight can't participate so they're scrambling because apollo creed's team is saying we have all kinds of contractual obligations and endorsements like this fight has to happen with someone but no one wants to fight apollo creed which i didn't quite understand because the payday is pretty big for the person who fights him. i think it's more of the, the they don't have enough time to get into the shape they want well i know that i mean that's what we're told is that everyone's saying no because they can't get ready in five weeks but i guess i still don't understand why you wouldn't want a shot against the champion if you're because because they're running through all kinds of names right so uh, I, yeah it does like seem that nobody nobody wants to try i'm sure someone familiar with the sport would correct me but the way it plays out in the film to someone who doesn't understand boxing i was a little confused why someone wouldn't jump at the chance but apollo has the bright idea that maybe they turn this into like a you know an underdog story an underdog story and since this is america and he's all about america that uh <laughs> he picks like, like like gives someone the chance of a lifetime mm -hmm. and apollo creed handpicks rocky balboa because he's looking through like boxers profiles and he underestimates rocky because he sees that because rocky's uh stats are not the best rocky's also a southpaw which means i guess he fights with his left hand more mm -hmm. dominantly and apollo's not worried about that he he thinks that it'll be just like a like something for show and that he's saying he'll knock the person out by the third round. So the second half of the film is Rocky training during that five week period, taking it very seriously. He reunites with his gym owner, coach person, Mickey, which we'll elaborate more on in a second, but it ends with the fight and they go 15 rounds mm -hmm. And it's a split decision and Apollo Creed maintains his title. So Rocky doesn't actually win, which I didn't remember. But he does, so, but he does win the words. I love you. He does. Um, yeah. I was tearing up through a couple of moments and then the, the fight lasts what, like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I was like shouting at the screen. Like it was a real fight. Uh -huh. Like, come on, Rocky. <laughs> boxing, boxing is stressful to me. So, I mean, it still had the same impact. It was emotional. It, it felt very good. I mean, the final training scene when uh, Rocky runs up the steps is, I mean, that's just, 
and the and the theme song gonna fly now playing in the background mm -hmm. and when rocky starts running like really fast I mean that I don't know how you couldn't watch that and feel good, but yeah, I, I think Sylvester Stallone's really sweet in it. <clears throat> sure. And then watching him, it just defies everything you think it would because Rocky is this brute, but then he's really sweet. He's not really violent. He's this imposing figure because of course he's very strong and muscular, but then he's very gentle with Talia Shire's, Shire's character who's super shy even the lone shark mm -hmm. is, Gato. is not as awful as no he's got his his little role in this sordid world as well and he's kind to rocky although his driver ain't shit no <laughs> he's like you know what's his name he's like you know uh blah 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 doesn't like yet it's like well why don't you tell him to shut the fuck up <laughs> when he's around like i'm just gonna go like watching uh rocky go at it with that driver's like uh what did i say a mandatory meeting in plain jane, plain on the jane. yeah <laughs> like somebody needs to look the other way and just ignore it the opening of the film is rocky fighting like this little uh local fight and mm -hmm he wins only after he gets that hard hit to his brow and then it's like he's mad he busts his, yeah the, the other guy busts his eyebrow open so then rocky gets mad and really goes in but that guy wins 17 dollars after all the fees and rocky wins 40 dollars which in today's money would be like 236 dollars getting your brains busted <laughs> yeah getting knocked the hell out for 236 dollars mm -mm. then we learn rocky's illiterate uh -huh. If and clearly not the brightest guy. Well, he's with the way he's acts about that turtle food. I'm like, oh, I know, bless his heart. You noticed in the locker room at the boxing gym that there's a sign, like a big old. Well, it's not a big old sign, but it's a noticeable sign that says "no kissing." <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's. I'm I'm not getting some kind of archaic reference yeah is that it. a reference to something that isn't kissing yeah, but uh but in the men's locker room okay interesting we see rocky walking home one day and he passes a group of kids who are asking him to buy them alcohol and he says no i'm not going to do that and then it's a group of boys and one girl and the and she's young like you know not an adult and he recognizes her as the sister of like a guy he knows mm -hmm. he's he grabs her and is like, you shouldn't be hanging around with these boys. And he tells her, you use dirty words, you end up becoming a whore. And he gives her this lecture all the way home. Like he walks her home. And then when, she, when he says like, okay, well, you take like something like, do you understand or have a good night? And she cusses him out and calls him a creepo. <laughs> I felt bad for him because well, he thought he was doing something. That girl was like, fuck you, right. pervert. <laughs> Poor thing. She doesn't care. Uh, I thought the Gazo character was cute because he he seems to know a lot about what Rocky's doing. Mm -hmm. And then Rocky's like, how do you know that? And he goes, you don't think I hear things? He says it like five times. I hear you're going to go out with Adrian. <laughs> yeah. But he's nice. He gives him money to take her on a date. And when Rocky, when it's announced that Rocky um, is going to fight Apollo Creed, it seems like Gazo like, is going to let him, like, go focus on training and not make him go work beating up people for money. Mm -hmm. And then he actually gives him like 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I thought Gazos, you know, for like a grimy loan shark seemed really sweet. <laughs> yeah. You saying that Rocky fighting with the driver is like plain Jane in a mandatory. <laughs> I was annoyed by that. Like, come on, Gazo. Like, I just don't like you. Aren't, like, like okay. aren't you the boss? You need to tell your driver to call. Yeah. <laughs> you need to make him shut his little mouth. Oh gosh. So you already alluded to this, but. Polly's relationship with Adrian. Oh my God. <laughs> that was agonizing. Well, Adrian's agonizing when he's well, trying describe to describe their relationship. They live together. Well, the, so they, they take care of each other like husband and wife and they, yeah. the, in the one like big um, blowout that they have when Polly overhears Rocky and Adrian talking about him, uh, it's clear that, yeah, they've been living almost like celibate, a uh, celibate husband and wife. And they both blame each other for not growing because he's right. like, I can't get married because you're here. That, that he's just, a he's a drunk. He's a, and he's a drunk, and she is, you know, painfully shy and awkward, repressed, shut in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I find it funny that 
you know, she's this little mouse of a woman. And then all of a sudden she gets a little shine from Rocky and it's like, oh, we're wearing cute hats, no glasses and a face. Oh, yeah. When okay. she shows up to the final fight, she is looking very Halston. Like, yes, <laughs> what happened? Yeah, it's like, oh, you're really cute. OK, who did your hair and makeup and bought you a little cute outfit? Uh, but but it's it's troubling because. Well, one, the date on Thanksgiving that... Well, that date is crazy because Rocky begs Polly, like, please make a way for your sister to go out with me. So what does Polly do on Thanksgiving? On Thanksgiving. He takes... Because Adrian's saying, well, I can't go because I have a turkey in the oven. And her brother takes that damn turkey out the oven with his bare hands and throws it outside. My, he keeps a big leg and his big, non on that it. He's waving around, touching Rocky's coat. I'm like, get that turkey leg away from my was coat. Was that turkey even done? Because she said it wasn't, like, just still cooking. And he just threw it out. But that's what forces her to go on the date. Which, oh, it's so awkward. But um, I thought the date, I got teary-eyed because he wants to take her ice skating, but the ice skating rink is closed because it's fucking Thanksgiving and the guy working there. What do you call that machine? The Samboken? The Zamboni? The Zamb- Samboken. Sambuca? The Samboken. Why did I say that? Oh, and that's a Lisa Frankenstein where she's like, how am I going to make Sambuca now? What What do you call that machine again? The Zamboni, the, the Zamboni machine? The man operating the Zamboni machine is like, fool, it's Thanksgiving, we're closed and... Rocky's like, please, okay, ten minutes for ten dollars. So then he gets skates on Adrian, and they and Rocky doesn't want to get on skates, so he's just kind of walking, like following her on the ice. And I thought Rocky had the cutest walk because he kind of walks like, like how you bought, like he's like a boxer shuffle, mm-hmm. and then the way he moves his shoulders and arms is like he's always ready to punch, but he is just running his mouth, like he can't stop talking because he's kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. But then he likes her, so he's trying. And then anytime she responds, he gets excited and asks her more about that. But I thought the cutest part of the ice skating scene is he he has a weird, like I think Sylvester Stallone has a weird finger. Mm-hmm. So he goes, oh, I dislocated my finger. And she freaks out and he's like playing with it. <laughs> like that's how he thought he was going to win this lady over. <laughs> well, then she somehow agrees to go into his apartment with him. And that was kind of a tense. Mm-hmm. She's scene. like, I've never been in a man's apartment. And, and they Be- end up kissing. Because Rocky, ugh, well, first of all, I kept thinking, what does he smell like? Because with these turtles in here. <laughs> and then he smokes. So it's like, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you know, he's, ugh. But he, it's interesting because Sylvester Stallone is not a tall man, but he's obviously super muscular. And then there's that one moment when he, because immediately when he walks into his apartment, he's like, oh, it's hot in here. So he takes off his top and is left with a white tank top. But then he kind of approaches her, but then he puts his hands up mm-hmm. like he's going to do a pull up. And I thought that was a very interesting shot because it's kind of seductive, but also like menacing potentially for a yes, woman. Yes. But then I think she clearly finds him appealing and he's disarming in a way well he did scream out the window to her brother and she's like well i think i need to call my brother well i don't have a phone well if that's what you're worried about let me so he yeah he opens the window and says hey paulie your sister's here with me <laughs> but we don't know in relation to where Paul. right like, I... <laughs> I think he was just being cute but yeah then they start making out at the front door on that dirty ass floor <laughs> and then they're in love and then yep <laughs> Okay, so the relationship between Mickey and Rocky is not very well established. We get the sense that Rocky came to Mickey as like maybe a teenager wanting to box. And then he kind of strayed away from that to work, I guess, for this loan shark. That, I think, needed more time, like development. Because you would think that someone who strayed away from something they loved would have spiraled into this world of organized crime or something. Mm-hmm. But Rocky seems like a pretty innocent guy. So I don't understand like what, cause if 30 is too old to box and he's been doing it since he was like a teenager, would like never, would never a broken nose would yeah. And never had a broken nose. Cause he says like, he makes it sound like it's been more than 10 years that mm-hmm. he's been doing it. So I'm just thinking, like, how have you been working for this person for 10 years and you are still like this really sweet, innocent guy? (laughs) Well, right. We also don't get a sense of his 
experience with women. Uh huh. But at a point after it's announced that Rocky's going to fight Apollo Creed, Mickey, who had already screamed at Rocky, like, you're a loser and I'm mad at you because you wasted your life being a, a heavy for a loan shark. Mickey shows up at Rocky's apartment and is like begging him to be his manager. And I got the sense that I don't think that scene worked very well because I got the sense that Mickey was almost acting like this was his last shot to be somebody. Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. So then, and then Rocky's upset, like yelling at him through the door because he won't talk to him. But then all of a sudden he runs outside and grabs him. Mm -hmm. And the next scene is now Mickey is his manager. Yeah. Well, it's my understanding that that uh, character went through some major transitions in the revisions of the script as well so maybe that's why like what well because you were reading that yeah because apparently burgess mickey was apparently an old racist originally which i can see why they adjusted it because it mm -hmm. wouldn't yeah burgess meredith stays screaming in this oh and all of these principals were nominated for academy Oscars. awards uh bert young and burgess were against one another for supporting actor which is the only category uh that network didn't win and um yeah, Talia Shire, who's up against Sissy Spacek for Carrie, and uh, Sylvester. Sylvester. Uh, I, 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 Burgess Meredith looks like he's gonna die. Like, and in he, at, at, like at any moment, he went to live another twenty years. And he didn't until nineteen ninety seven. Do you not remember? We did a podcast on the film Magic a couple years ago. Now, what's magic about? Magic is fun. And you're dead. You know, with Anthony Hopkins as the ventriloquist. Oh, the ventriloquist. And remember, he's in that. And you know, I love Anne Margaret, and you were like, not impressed. Uh, but Burgess Meredith, his skin, he looks like Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. Like he's yeah. so red, and his teeth are like. And the, I know he looks like a little animal. He looks like he's gonna drop dead from like a stroke. And he did. And he did. <laughs> he shows up for uh, what two more Rockies at least? I don't know. Yeah, I think he dies in the third one. They're like, we got to get rid of this. Oh, I mean, there are so many iconic moments. I think Rocky punching the frozen meat. Mm -hmm. And then I think a really cute scene is when the reporter comes to interview him. And he's like, don't, what does he say to her? Don't pull any cheap shots. And she goes, I won't. Well, he's mad because when he did his first TV thing, they kind of played him out like he was a joke. Mm -hmm. And then while he's on the news punching this frozen piece of meat, one of Apollo Creed's handlers is like, dude, you need to come watch this. And he ignores them, which is symbolic of like him underestimating Rocky. Yeah. But yeah, the scene where he's like his final training when he's running is such a good scene. Although I was thinking, um, well, Nick runs every day. Can you imagine trying to run in Chuck Taylor's? No. <laughs> like, oh my God. I, I, you know, I have run, been running long enough to immediately know of like, oh, these shoes are, are not going to work today. Adrian gets Rocky a dog named Butkus, and the dog is like a big old, Thank like you. mastiff looking thing. That dog in that pet store in that little cage. I know. Like, but well, that... it seemed like it was temporary because someone was supposed to come yeah. get him. But then Rocky and Adrian's like, you can go running with him. I don't think that dog is like a running type of so. dog. <laughs> that poor thing probably died. That's That was Stallone's own dog. Oh. Butkus. Polly, I kept thinking he would have been a good character in the movie Barfly. Yes. Because he seems like a derelict. Which starred Frank Stallone. And then we see that Polly, because there's another scene where Polly gets really upset with Adrian and Rocky because he feels like he's being cut out. Yeah. Like you two wouldn't even be together. It wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. I, he, I gave you my sister. Yeah. And, and, that's when, and that's when we really see how dysfunctional their relationship is. But finally, mm. Rocky concedes and goes, because Polly wants to be involved. So he comes up with this scheme to make money. And it turns out that Polly got paid $3,000 to get Rocky to wear a robe with the meat company he works for his Shamrock. name on it while he isn't doing this championship fight. Oh, you know what occurred to me watching this is it's very similar to the film Marty. Oh, have I seen that? You haven't, but you should. It's If you like Rocky, I think you'll like Marty. But uh, with uh, Ernest Borgnine, for which he won his Oscar and is it betsy blair is that her name no uh who ab about this italian man who lives with his overbearing mother 
and uh, looking for love, but him and his shitty ass friends who look like hell are super judgmental about all these women. And he meets a young woman that whose behavior is very much like uh, Talia Shires in this. And everybody calls her a dog and she's ugly Whoa. and he ends up falling in love with her. Um, and now that, that one can, that one best picture you should, you should see Marty, but it's, it's similar. When Carl Weathers comes out as Apollo Creed for the final fight, he's on this float dressed as George Washington. <laughs> and then when he gets in the ring, he changes his costume to look like Uncle Sam. Yeah, I want you. <laughs> Which made me think, because I've seen all the Rocky movies, I just don't remember them, but I know <laughs> one of them, he is coming out to like, living in America, uh -huh. the James Brown song. <laughs> so clearly Apollo Creed loves America. Uh and then the fight is so good. The I mean, I was well shouting mm -hmm. on the couch. And then, oh, God, when Rocky's eye is all swollen and he's like, I can't see, you got a cup. <laughs> and then they cut it and it's like ketchup packet exploding. <laughs> well, it looked like pussy blood. <laughs> or yeah. actually, it looked more like pussy blood. But The, the saccharoni sauce. Oh. <laughs> I, I thought Stallone. He's cute in this movie. He's enjoyable, yes. He's Although, really sweet. to think that this... Okay. I think Rocky's a good film. I do not think it should have won Best Picture over Network. No, or, Network is a superior film. Or Taxi Driver. I haven't seen Taxi Driver. Excellent. Ex I mean, and there's a scene in Rocky where it's he's like, is he talking... Oh, when Carl Weathers is pointing as Uncle Sam, he's like, he's talking to me, which is funny because that iconic scene in Taxi Driver... The same year, but but thinking about what those films feel like versus this, those are like dark visions of America, right? Sure. And this is this is the hopeful, hopeful. like we can overcome kind of story. So, uh, yeah, I guess I see why Oscar voters went for it. We need to end, but I want to talk about something else. So, what would you give Rocky? Three and a half. I would give Rocky four out of five. I mean, it's classic, and it's classic. I'm curious to watch the sequels now. Oh, well, that's what I wanted to end on. We watched the trailer to Rocky 2, and uh, I was howling. It looks so bad. It is directed by Stallone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. The, whoever cut that trailer is like, I mean, it, they're trying to sabotage that movie because every <laughs> single moment in the trailer was like a joke. Everybody's return <laughs> as well. Everyone's shouting or crying. Oh, God. Burgess <laughs> is really shouting. So I have, so now I feel like I have to watch Rocky too. Mm -hmm. Maybe that could be a Patreon re uh, review. There you go. Is there anything else you'd like to say? No. All right. Uh, although uh, we'll have one more podcast before that we'll probably record early before I leave for Berlin. That's right. And don't forget to join us on Patreon. Ta-ta. <laughs>